0: Know I could change microphones that quick, but that was good. I kind of feel like Superman. I went in the booth, came out, got a preaching mic on. It. The thing about a preaching mic is, like, if I've got this mic, I feel like I need to rap, and y'all don't want that. And so, I mean, I so so this mic is better because I can I can use my hands. Anyway, 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 super excited about second chance today. And for those of you who are like that, worship wasn't really good. Philip will be back next week because we just prayed that he'd be healed. Let me check my phone nothing. All right. So, but that's fine cuz he's in the hospital. You can't expect him to text back, right? Am I right? Amen. All right. So, um today we today is the the next to last message in the I Love My Church series. Like I said, next week we're going to finish up. But we'll start out today by just kind of getting everybody on the level playing field and just I'm not going to ask you this. I'm just going to admit this for you because it's all true for every single person in this room. All of us have trust issues. All of us. We got issues with Trust. Um, we, have, we have a difficult time trusting other people, and, and because you've been wounded, right? Somebody hurt you at some point along the past, so you have a problem trusting other people. We have problems trusting certain organizations. Maybe you have a problem trusting church, or maybe right now during this season in America, hypothetically, you're having a problem trusting anybody in government. I don't know if that's anybody here, but like that's this guy right here. Maybe you have a hard time trusting God. Because you ask God for something. You ask God to do this and he didn't do it and you have a hard time trusting other people. And what typically happens when we have a hard time trusting people is we tend to kind of push people out of our lives and we kind of tend to isolate. And we we come up with this phrase that on the surface sounds incredibly spiritual, but it's not true and it's this. This is what somebody will say. All I need is Jesus. Now, that sounds good. That sounds amazing, but it's not true. Because if all we needed was Jesus, then why wasn't Jesus enough for Jesus? In Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus is getting arrested, when he's getting taken away Um, They're coming to arrest him in the Garden of Eden. Jesus is with his apostles, but he goes up to Peter, James, and John, and he says, please come and pray with me because my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. So my question is, if Jesus, God in the flesh, if Jesus in his greatest time of need actually leaned in on other people, then who in the world are we to think we don't need anyone in our lives? At the end of the day, we've got to have people. And the way I discovered this It wasn't reading the Bible, and it wasn't even in church. It's about four years ago when I went to treatment. Now, in treatment, I don't know if you've ever been to treatment, but in treatment, you get all kinds of fun things, and you get all kinds of weird things. Like, for example, we had horse therapy, and um, maybe you love horse therapy. I just did not connect with my horse. His name was Cowboy, and Cowboy and I did not have a connection. They would be like, talk to your horse, and I'd be like, hey, horse, (laughs) why the long face? Like, I I didn't know what to say to Cowboy. It's kind of weird. So, Cowboy and I didn't really connect. But the thing that I remember is when they took us out to this platform, and I'm I'm scared of heights. I I just don't like heights. And so they were like, what we're going to do, we're just going to climb this platform and you're going to jump off. And I was like, you kiss my grits. I ain't jumping off this platform. And so they put a harness on you. And so so I got this harness. So you look, you feel like super awkward. And they hook it up. And then you get to climb to the top of this platform. It's like 4 million feet in the air. And you look down and they're like, this is going to teach you how to depend on other people. Holding the rope that would determine whether I lived or died was my small group. And I barely know these people, and they're all addicts. And so we're, like, we're out there, a bunch of addicts, and I'm like, you know what? This is how I'm going to die. You know what? Fine, that's great. I'm going to heaven. I feel comfortable with it. And my, my, my teacher down there was like, jump. And I was like, okay, getting ready to jump, jumping right now. Like I, I was kind of stalling. But I never will forget jumping off that platform, literally with my eyes closed, screaming words that were not in the Bible, and I, like I was scared to death. But it taught me something. I remember we got back into our small group room, and everybody jumped, and we're kind of holding the rope or whatever. And we got back in our small group room, and our, my leader said, the reason we did that exercise was to teach you that you can't make it on your own. You're going to have to lean into people. And he said, if you go back... To your life, and you step back into toxic relationships, then you're going to be either A, back here again, or B, in the graveyard. I was like, well, I'm, I'm not down with either of those options because I ain't coming back here again because the horse thing ain't working, and I'm not, I don't want to be in the <laughs> graveyard because that would suck. So, like, I, I, I realized right then that if I was going to maximize the potential in my life I did need the help of Jesus, but I also needed the help of others. And what's true for me is true of every single person in this room. In order to maximize the life that I've been given, I must trust Jesus and others. And I want to put out on the table, that's not easy. But it's right. We can't get to where we need to get in life without the help of Jesus and the help of of others, so we're going to dive in. We're going to dive into this text, and and here's the reason. Let me, let me kind of back up. Here's the reason we're going to do this. When we tend to tell other people, "All I need is Jesus," when we tend to kind of throw that out there, what we're really doing is trying to isolate. And when we isolate, we self medicate. And when we self medicate, we always self medicate with something that's destructive. And there are people here today. That you're in the process of self-medicating and let me, I understand what it's like to self-medicate, but when it's all over and the high or the buzz is gone, the problem is still there. The only thing that will get us through is the help of Jesus and the help of others. Take it from somebody who's been there and got the t-shirt. Now, the passage I'm going to go to today is a passage of scripture that I have read over and prayed Every single day for the past two years. I love this text of scripture. I love what it, um, what it teaches me. I love what it encourages me. And I thought today would be the appropriate day to share this text. Moses has been put in charge of a major relocation project. He lo- relocates the nation of Israel to the nation of Canaan. And, and he's being told by God, this is what you're going to do and this is how you're going to do it. And so the, um, scripture says, one day, Moses said to the Lord... You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, I know you by name and I look favorably on you. Moses said, Listen, you told me to go to this place, but you didn't tell me who was going with me. This reminded me of several years ago. In fact, 1993 from 1999, I was the student pastor, associate pastor at North Anderson Baptist Church here in Anderson, just right down the road. Bill Rigsby was and is the senior pastor. He's one of the greatest men on the planet. Love that man with all my heart. In fact, he's probably going to get extra jewels in his crown in heaven because I was on his staff for six months, six years. Can you imagine having me as a staff member? I always got to go to deacons' meetings. It, I didn't even ask; they just pulled me in and asked me what I was doing. Anyway, so Bill um, kind of put me in charge of things that uh, other people didn't want to do. That was my job. I was the associate pastor. So in a Baptist church, that means you just do everything. So one particular, I think it was like a Wednesday or Thursday, we had a group of senior adults that met in the church. And they had a name for themselves. They were, it was called DMA, Don't Mention Age. That was their idea, not mine, and I learned very quick that they, you don't ask about age in that, in that room. And so Bill put me in charge of games for the senior adults. Now, I could do games for students all day long. And he said, well, just do some of your student games in the senior adult meeting. I was like, I don't think that's going to work. Because, like, with students, I would have, like, a toilet bowl and fill it full of Mountain Dew and put a baby Ruth in there and have them bob for baby Ruth. Okay, now I know that's gross, but it works with students. And I could not imagine being with a senior adult going, okay, guys, here's some Mountain Dew and a baby Ruth. Anybody see Caddyshack? Like, I couldn't imagine doing that with a senior adult. So I was like, what's going to work? What's going to work? And I thought, musical chairs. Now, at the time, it was a great idea, and it worked in my mind until I got in front of the group, and I was like, hey, guys, we're going to play musical chairs and I noticed the guy with the walker and the woman with a cane and I was like this is gonna suck. um and as soon as I said it they all lit up and I was like well I was like ma'am the woman with the cane is like ma'am you don't have to play she's like don't tell me I ain't can't. I'm gonna play I'm like well you're probably gonna win too because you got that freaking cane and so so we played the most violent games of musical chairs ever in the history of the world but the reason I bring that up is because I'll never forget when all the senior adults sat down and the first senior adult got caught not being able to sit down, how they felt in that moment. It's the same, it was the same look I saw in students' eyes. It's the same look I saw on children's eyes. They were standing, everybody else was sitting, and they thought, I'm all by myself, which is one of the most horrible feelings in the entire world to think everybody in this world doesn't even know that I'm here. They don't know that I'm, I exist Nobody cares. I'm all by myself. And that is the place where we dive into destructive things. So Moses, in this passage, this is the reason I love this prayer. Because Moses doesn't say, God, these people are getting on my nerves. Because they were. I mean, they were building idols and killing people. I mean, it was crazy. He didn't say, these people are getting on my nerves. He said, you told me to go to this place. But God, here's my prayer. Tell me who's going to go with me because Moses knew that he couldn't go where he needed to go by himself. And what's true for Moses is true for every single person in this room. We will never get to the place we need to be if we try to make it all by ourselves. One of the greatest revelations that God can give to you is who is with you as you walk through what you're going through. Now, I know for a fact that people in this room have been hurt by other people, but that's not a reason not to trust all people, because I'm telling you, there is a gift inside someone, maybe in this room, or someone you know, there is somebody that will walk through you, because if God doesn't want us to be alone, then there's no way he would ever isolate us, so At the end of the day, one of the biggest prayers that we can pray is, God, show me who's with me. That's been my prayer since we started this thing. God, show me who is with me. And by the way, by the way, as a pastor, and I've been doing this for like 30 years, the people that always come up to you going, man, I'm with you. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. You know what? They are typically the first person that'll put a knife in your back and walk out the door. I don't listen to what people say, I listen to what what they, I, I watch what they do. It's not what you say; it's whether you show up. And I'm telling you right now that Second Chance Church is the church we are today, not because I'm the pastor, but because we've had people. All along the way said, if you're going on that journey, I'm going on that journey with you because I want to be a part of a place where it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And so the reason I believe that this church is becoming a really, really, really great church is not because I'm the pastor, but because of the people that have said, if you're going on that journey, I'm going with you. I'm telling you, we absolutely cannot do life all by ourselves. We need the help of God and we need the help of others. Which, which moves into this next part of the prayer, which I love, I love how real Moses gets with God right here. He said, if it is true that you look favorably on me, and God just said, I look favorably on you. And, and Moses was like, well, that, if that's true, if that's true, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. I love what Moses praised. He said, if I know your ways, then I'll know you. If I can just know your ways, then I can know you. If I, if I can just know your ways, God, I can know you. And that's true. The more you know about somebody, like the more you know their ways, the more you know them. Years ago, I had a, a friend, All two friends. They were married and they were, they were the lovey couple. You know what I'm talking about when I say the lovey couple—they're the kind. They're just gross because they're always like, "I love you, no, I love you, I love you more, I love you the mostest." And end, I'm over in the corner going, Ugh. "I mean, I'm like, get a room. We don't need a room. We got a car." I'm like, that's the grossest thing I've ever heard. So, <laughs> they invited me to lunch one day, and uh, I went to Olive Garden, which is a minor miracle because I don't go to Olive Garden, and I know you might love Olive Garden, but at the end of the day, it's Chef RD microwaved. All right, so if that's what you love. God help you. So, so anyway, but I went to Olive Garden because they're my friends. They invited me. I was like, yeah, I'll go. I love on lot. So I walk in and I sit down to this loving couple. She's looking this way. He's looking this way. I sat down. This way. I was like, how's it going? She said, ask him. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, she said to ask you, how's it going? He said, tell her, have you ever done the passive-aggressive argument? Tell her it was fine but she got here. Uh, What he said was, um, do y'all want some breadsticks? I mean, it was was so tense. And I knew, like, as soon as I sat down, this was not like them. I knew something had happened. That's the same thing. That's the same way it is with God sometimes, is we can step into his presence. And there's some things we're like, yeah, this is God. And some things are like, I don't know. And Moses is basically saying, God, I want to know your ways so I can know you. Now, when it comes to this specific ministry, this specific church, I think there's some ways we've gotten to know God. And over the past two years, our past year and a half as we've been meeting, there's about three things that are three ways that I've seen God reveal himself in this church and in this ministry that I'd like to share with you, the first way is God is a healer. I believe there are people here today, people watching online, you're wounded. You're wounded. And you need to be healed. There's some people that God has healed them. There's some people that God is healing. By the way, just to let you know, I'm one of those people. I have not been healed. I I'm in the process of healing. Let me just kind of go ahead and put my cards on the table right now. I am not a man whose life looks like Jesus. I am a man whose life looks like that I need Jesus. That's who I am. That's what God is doing in me. And ultimately, that's what I hope he's doing in the life of every single person in this room. I think this needs to be a place where we strip away all pretenses and say, I'm not okay. I need some help. I need healing, and it's okay. You don't get judged. You don't get condemned. You get helped out. That's what, because I remember when I was a kid, I got, I almost lost this finger right here, this finger right here. I almost lost it. And the reason why was I I, I shot it off with a pellet pistol. Um, I tore a big chunk of skin out, and it was like green, and it was like purple, it was like blue and red, and the outside was orange. I was like, oh, Clemson fan. Um, But... (laughs) But I was scared to death my dad was going to find out, so I kept it, like, wrapped and hidden for, like, two or three days. And I remember I was reaching, reaching across the table to get a biscuit one time, and my dad was like, what the f- is wrong with your finger? You fill in the blank with whatever you want. Um, probably a not nice word. But it, and I was like, what, what, why, what, what, what do you mean? And he, and he looked at my finger. We literally got up from the table. He rushed me to the ER, and they did all this stuff, and they said, you almost lost your finger. I didn't want my dad to see, so I kept it hidden. I kept it hidden, and I kept it hidden. You know what God revealed to me through that, that I still remember to this day? God can't heal what you keep concealed. There's so many people that we, listen, we keep things concealed. And as long as we keep them concealed, God will not heal. Now, the reason we keep them concealed, listen, is we've met some Christians who have rocks. but At the end of the day, there are no people with rocks here. And if there are, let me know, and I'll have a conversation. Because I want this to be a place where somebody could admit, I'm not okay, I need help. And we don't say, go get some and come back when you're good. This is a place where we want God to work in people's lives to heal. What well, has been hurt. The second thing is is God restores, and I've seen God begin some restoration in this church in the lives of people. It reminded me years ago when I bought a Disco Mickey Mouse record, and in the, in the late nineteen seventies, the TV commercials used to come on, and you could call one eight hundred and get all the the recording artists that couldn't make it on the radio. They put a record on the TV, um, and people would call. I got Disco Mickey Mouse because Disco Mickey Mouse was awesome. But then a few years later, my Disco Mickey Mouse record burned up in my house with all my Bee Gees records and my Beatles records and my Grand Funk Railroad records and my Play That Funky White Boy music record. I mean, I had all these records and they all, I had a killer record collection, all burned up. So just a few years ago, I was speaking on the stage and talking about losing my disco Mickey Mouse record. The next week I got three in the mail. Three. It took 30 years I was like, I should have talked about this sooner. I could have got some more. I like, I got three. I lost one, and I got three. And that just reminded me that God, God's working in people's lives. And somebody here needs to hear that he doesn't want to just bless you, but he wants to restore you. And he, if you lost it, he wants to tell you, I'm going to give it back, but I'm going to give it back better than you ever remembered it he said in Joel chapter 2 verse 25 I will give you back what you lost and I want this to be a place of hope I want this to be a place of restoration I want people to walk in this place and walk out knowing I might not have what I used to have but I'm on my way to having something greater and at the end of it all God's going to get the glory and I'm going to get the joy because God is a God who restores and last but not least he gives hope I want this place to be a place where people find hope, not hype. It's only hype if you don't believe it. It's hope. Now, people have asked me before, Peter, why do you always talk about hope? Why do you preach on hope? I had somebody tell me, hope is dangerous. I'm like, hope isn't dangerous? Hope got me out of bed some mornings. Hope helped me put one foot in front of the other. Hope helped me to admit I had a problem. Hope helped me to walk through hell. You know, it was hope. And the reason for my hope as a believer in Christ has, listen, it's better than what the Bible says. It's better than what some preacher said. The reason that we can have hope as a Christian is because the entire movement of Christianity began with an empty tomb. A man named Jesus was crucified. He was buried And three days later, he rose from the grave. And anybody that can predict his own death and resurrection and then pull it off, I'm following that man. And if he rose from the grave and God says the same Holy Spirit who brought him him back from the dead lives in us, then there is a reason for you and I to be filled with hope. That's what I'm seeing him do in our church. Now, Moses goes on and says something interesting. He said, the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Now, understand something, and this this will be the only thing that some of you get out of church today, and it's fine. We've got a window of opportunity. We've got a window of opportunity. You can do anything wrong, you know, borderline illegal. You want to. Over the next two to three months, and you can blame it all on the coronavirus. <laughs> you really can. You can be late for work tomorrow. And if your boss goes, Why were you late? You can just say, Man, coronavirus got me freaked out, and your boss will go, Yeah, I understand, I understand. You can get called for speeding. 92 in a 35. <laughs> don't God don't try this. Cop pulls you over. And I, hey, what were you doing? I, you know, I was thinking about Corona. <laughs> Not the beer. There are no open containers. I'm just the disease. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <and> <laughs> <laughs> Wheels have kind of came off, haven't they? You can go to Target. You can go to Target and get in the 10 or items less lane with 47 items. If they, if they confront you, go, it's Corona. Yeah, we understand. But in about two to three months, our window of opportunity is done. You can't can't blame it on Corona anymore. So I'm just saying maximize your opportunity and be a little late to work tomorrow and it's okay. Now, here's the reason I bring that up. Everybody in this room has had something tragic happen in your life. You have. There's no exceptions. And listen, let me pause. Don't compare tragedy well, my life had not been as tragic as yours, or you know, my life's been way more tragic. Like, don't do that. Just tragedy is tragedy. Nobody can define pain in your life. Pain is pain. But I want you to listen, I want, and I say this in love, and I say this as somebody who's been there. It's time to move on. You can blame it for a season, but for some people in this room, it's been five years. It's time to move on. And here's why. Victims never walk in victory. And if you want to stay stuck in that tragedy forever, then you're going to stay stuck in mediocrity rather than embracing the victory. That God, listen, we can't embrace the miracle if we have our arms wrapped around the mess. we got to let go of the mess so we can hold on to the miracle. That's what Moses is saying right here. He's like, God, I I don't want to go unless you go with me. And God says, I'll I'll go. I'll go. Now, here's what's fascinating about this this was not brand new news to Moses. God told Moses the same thing in Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4. God kept telling him, I'm going to be with you. 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 And right here, God said, I'm going to be with you. And for me personally, I, I don't know about you, I need reminders from God, like when I'm reading through the psalms just this week in psalm eighty nine verse eight says you you are entirely faithful. I'm like, yes, yes, God, you are because when it comes to this church and 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 the let me let me I, and many of you know this I didn't want to start another church. I had started a business, and just to be very honest with y'all, I was making some pretty good money, and I didn't want to Step back into church world, but God would not let me get away from it. And I was like, well, fine. I mean, many of you know the story. I was like, I'll just do the iPhone thing. How many of you logged into a Facebook live message when I was doing it on iPhone? Yeah, it was, it was, people were like, I bet it was awesome. It was weird as crap. (laughs) So, people, how y'all doing? How's your mama and them? Like, I, I, like, it was, it was weird. But you know what? It was safe. Because I didn't have any people. I, it was just me and my phone. But, and while it was safe, it sucked. So I had to open myself up to inviting 10 to 15 people to come watch the broadcast. One of the scariest things I've ever done in my life. But God said, you need to learn how to trust people. And then from there, we had the opportunity to move into this place. Now, I'm going to push the pause. Back when we first started the church, when I say we, me and my iPhone 7, By the way, if you have an iPhone 7 today, it's because your parents hate you. That's why you have it. So anyway, I had an iPhone 7, and I'm I'm broadcasting, but I would go down the street, just right down the road, right down here, and sit in the parking lot of this old bilo, and I would literally pray, God, please let us move into that building. God, please let us have that building. God, please open the door. And then um, the opportunity to move in here opened. I was like, no, no, we're not going to move in here. We're going to move down there. So I picked up my iPhone 7 where I was broadcasting the word of God, and I called the realtor. And I was like, we, in the name of Jesus. I didn't say that. I just said, hey, man, how much is that building? And he told me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to... I'm going to bounce. I'll I'll talk to you later. And I kind of put my phone down because they wanted too much money. And people are like, where's your faith? There's a fine line between faith and stupidity. And I was not going to be stupid. And so we moved into this place. And I didn't know people were going to show up. And people were like, oh, you knew. No, I didn't. I didn't know. So we had the first service, and everybody showed up. And then the next week, they didn't come back, but but we had some people come back, and then just kept coming back. Then we had two services. Then we had three services. Then we had four services. We're averaging around a 1,000 people, and then we had corona. That messed everything up, didn't it? Well, during the process, let me kind of tell you a little bit of backstory What's was going on. This building down here, as we were growing, I was like, man, we, we're going to we're gonna have to get into space, and so... Um, I called down to the Balo Place, the people, Balo People Place thing, and I was like, hey, we might be interested. And they were like, it's sold. I was like, well, that answers the question then. Sold. And I remember telling God, God, all we needed was 30,000 square feet. I had plans for 30,000 square feet, architectural plans for 30,000 square feet, about 700 seats in the auditorium, and enough room for your kids. Because right now we got so many kids coming, but next week we're gonna have to take them all down to Lowe's and teach them how to build the ark like they did in Genesis. Like, hey kids, we're gonna build an ark. And like, that's where you got. I mean, because we got kids everywhere, which that'll work, by the way. That's creative, isn't it? Right? Just you can't give certain kids nail guns. Anyway, so, so <laughs> we had enough room for the kids. We had enough room for the adults. Thirty thousand square feet. That's all we needed. And this this building down here was forty-two thousand square feet. So they gave us plenty of room to do everything we needed to do. And then somebody sold it. A few months later, a guy told me, you need to talk to a guy I know. I was like, "Why well, I need to talk to him. He said, because he owns that building. I said, give me his number. He told me who it was. I'm like, I already got his number. We had lunch. And this is what he said to me. You can't make this up. He said, listen, I need to lease part of my building. I bought that building to use as a warehouse for my business, and I'm only using 12,000 square feet. Would you be interested in leasing 30,000 square feet? Oh, that's good. You are, I, I see you. I see you working. I see you moving. He's like, who are you talking to? Nobody. Uh, anyway, so... <laughs> I was like does a bear take a poop in the woods? Yes, we would like 30,000 square feet. And so so we signed and so just to let y'all know, I mean that's that's where we're getting ready to move. We got to be out of this building in April. In April. That's when our lease ends and from everything I've read, they get really mad if you show up after the lease is over. <laughs> so we're rock and roll in this building. Now let me tell y'all what we need. It's going to cost 1.6 million to build that thing out. 1.6 million. And and and, and that's like that's like not even the the nicer stuff. Like I was like they were like, do you want to paint the outside? I'm like, we got some people to do that <laughs> Some of y'all get spray cans. I mean you do it during the week anyway, so like might as well do it on the weekend. so anyway I, <laughs> I mean but but uh, let me tell y'all why this is so cool. Because of the way you give and because God has allowed us to be able to manage the resources. Really well here at Second Chance, we're able to put a half a million down just like that. We're gonna put $500,000 down just like that. (laughs) We got the other, we got about the other half a million taken care of through some financing. So I'm just here to tell you in order to get there, we need $500,000 by Christmas. That's the name of the campaign. We need $500,000 by Christmas. If you go on our website and you click to give, one of the fund's name is, we need $500,000 by Christmas. (laughs) Y'all think I'm making this up. We've got no campaign. It's not fancy. We don't have T-shirts. I don't have logos. We're not doing a special meeting. I'm just telling y'all, we need $500,000 by Christmas. Now, I was super scared to do this. You know why? Because I know as soon as I get on stage and talk about money, somebody's going to get me, oh, he's just talking about money. There's somebody right now watching online. You're sitting in your mama's basement. You got on underwear. You're eating a Hot Pocket. You think you're a bad person. And, 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 you're, and, and listen, I could care less what you think because you're in your mama's basement in your underwear eating Hot Pocket. Good Lord. I, If you've been attending this church for any amount of time, you know for a fact I've never stood on this stage and asked for anything. I get on this stage every week and thank people for giving. And people in this church have given radically, and people in this church have given generously, and we've been able to cash flow everything we've done. So as I'm standing on stage, I'm just telling you, we need a half million dollars by Christmas. That's the name of the campaign. That's what we need. What happens if we don't get it? Well, we go back to an online church until we raise it. I don't say that as a threat. I'm good with anything God wants to do. I'm good with it. I've, I've just learned in this process. I'm trusting God. But you know what I believe? I believe God's going to provide it. I don't I only don't really believe God's going to provide it. I, I believe he's going to provide immeasurably more. I'm going to give you all updates every week. This is our We Need to Have Million Dollar by Christmas campaign. Like that, that's, how, that's how we're going to. We, we, we might even do a little thermometer. I don't even know. <laughs> but here's what I know. All along the way in building this church, and building people, God's been entirely faithful. And I'm just trusting him to do it again. I mean, that's I'm putting my cards in on, on the Lord moving. I really am. Which leads me to the last part where Moses comes back and says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Do you know that's been my prayer every step of the way? God, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go to the next place. If you're not going to go with us, we don't want to go there. But I think you will. It reminds me of the first, my first Clemson game. And, and this could work if, like, you're a Carolina fan or a Georgia fan. I'm a Clemson fan, so this is the way it happened to me. I used to listen to Clemson games on the radio. I was a Clemson fan. Um, I, and people ask me, "How did you become a Clemson fan?" Well, my sister was a Clemson fan parents were Clemson fans, so it was literally by God's grace that I pulled for a winner. So anyway, I've always, I've always been a Clemson fan, and I would listen to them on the radio, and every once in a while, like once every other year, they were on television, and for those of y'all that remember the late 70s or early 80s, they weren't on TV all the time, and then my brother-in-law asked me one time, do you want to go to a Clemson game? There's a difference between listening to it on the radio and being at the game. First of all, i have never seen any t- anybody tailgate. Like we, I was like, why has everybody got Kentucky Fried Chicken? Up in, like, and he was like, oh, this is called tailgating. By the way, tailgating has gone to the next level. Have y'all been over there and seen it? Not like this year, but like last year? Shoot, if we had four people over there sell their tailgating equipment, we could pay cash for that thing and go ahead and buy them all too. I mean, there's, anyway, not judging, I'm just saying so I went to tailgate, and we go inside, and then the band was playing, and then all the team was standing at the top of the hill. I'm like, why are they at the top of the hill? Why don't they? And he was like, they're going to run down the hill. He said, when they run down the hill, everybody's going to scream. I was like, why is everybody going to scream? He's like, because it's exciting. I was like, okay. And they ran down the hill, and everybody around me was screaming. I got so caught up, I was screaming too. I didn't even know why they were running down the hill. I didn't know what the heck was, but why are they rubbing that rock? Like they were rubbing rock, and running down the hill, and then they play, And, and there was something different about listening to it on the radio and actually being there and seeing it with your own eyes. And I don't know if you've ever been in a football game or a basketball game, but the atmosphere of the crowd is contagious, is it not? I mean, when the, when the crowd's into it, you get more into it. It affects you. And I thought, my God, church is the same way. Because for me, I want to be there experiencing it. And not not only do I want to experience it, I want to experience it with other people. Because there's something about getting in a room with people, worshiping worshiping Jesus and experiencing his presence and understanding. I don't know about you, but there have been weeks where I've stood over there and wept during worship because I realized I'm not alone. I have Jesus and I have people in my life. That when I am at rock bottom, instead of putting their foot on my neck, they'll grab me by the arms and say, you know what? Let's go one more step. Let's go one more round. That's the kind of place. So Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me? On me and on your people, if you don't go with us, for your presence among us, sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Moses said, here's the deal, it's your presence. It's your presence that sets us apart. And that's my prayer for our church as we move forward. Is this would be a place where we just experience the presence of God. Yeah, I want to grow. Let me tell you why I want to reach more people. I think more people experiencing the presence of God is a good thing. I think it makes our families stronger. I think it makes our communities better. I think it makes our city better. The more and more we experience the presence of God and realize, realize that even in our struggle, we're not alone. We have the help of Jesus. And we have the help of each other. So I don't know how alone you felt when you walked in this place today, but here's what I do know. You're not here by accident. You're not watching online by accident. If you were so alone, then why are you hearing this message today? Could it be that God's trying to tell you, I've got you. I know what you're going through, and I've got you in my hands. Everything doesn't seem okay, but it's going to be okay. With that in mind, can we just pause for a second and focus on what it just is like to actually be in his presence? And let the presence of God speak peace into our lives. Will you stand with me for closing prayer? Father, I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus that today, Jesus, right now, we would experience your presence. God, that there are people in this place, God, that have felt so alone all week long. Jesus, I want to pray that you would speak specifically to each and every one of us and let us know that no matter what has happened that your mercy is falling in this place and we can experience your presence as we continually posture our hearts and surrender